Well, I trust you are really preparing your heart for Jesus to touch you and have an encounter with the supernatural today. We're going to do that through the word of God that Pastor Ken's going to bring to us. It's a powerful word that comes from John chapter 9. And to prepare our hearts and open us up, let's make way for Jesus. Here comes the world of arts with mighty God, and he's a bridge over troubled water. Let's celebrate together. and disciples are saying it's blasphemy let the children come to me Caiaphas have you never read the scriptures for they say that from the lips of the little ones shall come his praise I tell you if these children were to keep silent the very stones would sing out in praise. Master, Master, help. I have a daughter who is the age of these children, and she's dying. My name is Jairus. I know you can heal her. You are the Messiah. Please come. Of course I will go with you. Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy. Don't go. Have mercy on me. Heal me. I want to see. Jesus, where'd you go? Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam and receive your sight. Master, Master. There's no need to bother the rabbi any longer. For your daughter, she is dead. Jairus, do not worry. Only believe. Woman, why are you crying? For your daughter is not dead. She's only asleep. I assure you, Master, it's too late. She is dead. <laughs> asleep? How can you say that? How dare you? What kind of man are you? Little girl, I say to you, arise! Oh, what? Oh, what? Oh, what? Oh, what? 
I can see, I can see it's a miracle. I can see Jesus heal me. I can see, I can see. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Give God the glory by telling the truth. What has he done to you? How did he open your eyes? We all know that man's a sinner. I do not know if he is a sinner or not. But what I do know is that once I was blind and now I see. Do not let your hearts be troubled. For peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Though you will have trouble in this life. When you're weary. When you're feeling small. When tears are in your eyes. I will dry them all I'm on your side oh, when times are rough and friends just can't be Welcome to Palm Sunday at the Cathedral of Faith. Can we give our worship arts department a great big hand of appreciation, helping us to celebrate. Wasn't that awesome? 
Boy, and, and this is just the start to the week. You, you've heard of March Madness? Well, here at Cathedral of Faith, we have Messiah Madness. And all week long, the worship arts team is going to help lead us through this celebration. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, we've been in this series called Signs, Encounter the Extraordinary. We've been looking at the miracles of Jesus that you find in the Gospel of John. And, and so far, we've seen that Jesus is the winemaker. Jesus is the water walker. Jesus is the X factor. That Jesus is the way maker. Last week, we saw that Jesus is the grave robber. That when it seems like you're buried and it's over, it's not over until Jesus says it's over. If you need a resurrection, he is the resurrection. Can, can somebody say amen? amen? And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about this big idea. This one big idea. That Jesus is the eye opener. You saw it in the drama. Jesus is the eye-opener. I heard about this man, he was in his 80s and he loved to golf. Ever since he had retired, he golfed just about every day. Well, he comes home one day and he says to his wife, I've had it, I'm not gonna play anymore. My eyesight is so bad, I hit the ball and then I can't find it. And his wife said, well, I have an idea. Take my uncle with you golfing. And the man said, your uncle, he's over 100 years old. And she said, yeah, but he's got eyes like an eagle, and he'll find your ball. Well, they decided to team up. They go out to the course, and the man steps up, and he takes a swing, and he hits his shot. And then he asked the uncle, did you see the ball? And the man said, I sure did. I have perfect eyesight. And the man said, well, where's it at? And the uncle said, I'm not sure, I don't remember. <laughs> don't you hate when that happens? When it comes to eyesight, how Jesus opens our eyes, we can be blind in lots of different ways. In the 1700s, there is a sailor, he's on a ship, they've been battling a storm for 11 days, He's so tired, he ties himself to the helm of the ship. And he begins to think about his life. In the middle of this storm, he thinks about how his life is battered and tattered, a little bit like the ship in that storm. He had been sailing on ships since he was 11 years old. And he had grown up into the kind of sailor that would make other sailors blush. He was crude, he was raw, he was raunchy. Worst of all, he had gotten into the business of slave trading. He would buy and sell human beings like they were pieces of property. And he didn't see anything wrong with it. He was blind to its evil. But there on the ship in that day, he turned his heart toward heaven. And he said a prayer, and God began to open his eyes because Jesus is the eye-opener. And, yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. And he saw that the business he was involved with, that it was evil. Slave trading was evil. And he walked away from it. And he started a Bible study in his home. He went on to study to become a pastor. And he wrote a book against the evils of slave trading. He worked with local politicians to abolish slave trading in his country. Now this man, you may not know his story, but I'm pretty sure you're familiar with his song because he's the one who wrote these words, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Can we give God praise? Jesus is the eye opener, hallelujah. When you're blind, Jesus can restore your sight. 
So for the next few moments, track with me through this story in John chapter 9. You saw it up here. Track with me through John chapter 9 and allow Jesus to open your eyes this weekend. The first thing that we learn in John chapter 9 is this, that asking the right question will take you to the right answer. Asking the right question will take you to the right answer. The story begins in John chapter 9 this way. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? They're looking to fix the blank. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Look instead for what God can do. Would you say that with me? Look instead for what God can do. Let that get in your spirit. One more time, say it with me. Look instead for what God can do. The disciples are looking to fix the blame. Jesus is looking to fix the problem. And he says, instead, look for what God can do in a broken, messed up world. When God created the world, it was a good world, thoroughly good, because God is good and all the time. But after the fall of man, everything got mixed up and messed up, and now we live in a broken world. We live in an imperfect world. And so you never really know what's going to show up. As someone once said, do you remember this? Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know quite what you're going to get. And living in a mixed up, messed up world, you never quite know what you're going to get. And sometimes what you get is pain and suffering. But the good news today is this. If we bring our pain and suffering to God, that God can recycle our pain for our gain and for his glory The Bible says that God causes all things, all things, say that with me, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How many love God this weekend? Let me see your hands. Then that promise is for you, that God is at work in your pain to recycle your pain for gain and his glory. Can we give God praise? That's the kind of thing that God can do. Someone needs to know that this weekend. When you bring your pain and suffering to him, he can recycle it. We live in California. We know what recycling is. My wife, I brought some of my wife's stationery. My wife loves stationery. If ever I'm not sure what to get her, Uh, for her birthday or for our anniversary or for Christmas or for Valentine's Day. This is always a good go-to gift because she loves stationery. One time we're on a missions trip to Africa and we find a very unique stationery. It had been, it was made out of recycled stuff. And what they did is they took elephant dung. Everybody know what an elephant is? So imagine elephant dung, right? They took elephant dung and they recycled it and created this beautiful stationery. It was amazing. I would use it to write my mother-in-law once a week. I didn't do that. I'm just joking. It's the start of Holy Week. I'm already in trouble. Amen. But it was incredible, out of elephant dung, they created stationery, and here's the takeaway. God can take the stink in your life, recycle it, 
and bring something beautiful out of it. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. God can do that. You know, how can we be sure that God can do that kind of thing? To me, the greatest example is the cross. This week, when you come back to watch the production, you see the crucifixion of Jesus. I've probably seen it over a hundred times through the years. And every time I see it, it rocks me to the core. It really does. As I'm watching it, I, I just, it hits me all over again how wrong this is. Crucifixion was so horrible that for the first few centuries, you could never find any art that depicted the crucifixion because anybody who had seen one with their eyes would never draw it. It was so horrific. And what's happening at this crucifixion is especially horrific. Here you have the Son of God, the most innocent person who's ever lived, taken to a cross and nailed to the cross. It was the worst moment in human history. And yet God takes the worst moment in human history and recycles it and turns it into the best moment of human history because he takes the cross and turns it into a bridge over troubled waters that we can walk across and experience eternal life. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah! And if if God can do that with the cross, then God can take our pain and our suffering and he can recycle it. He can recycle our pain for our gain and for his glory. God, open our eyes and let us see. I once was blind, but now I what? See. Now I see. That's the first takeaway. How... Well, asking the right question will lead you to the right answer. Now, the second takeaway that we find in John 9 is this. Make the most of the daytime because nighttime is coming. Make the most of your daytime because nighttime is on the way. Jesus goes on to say, as long as it is called day, we must do the work of him who sent me. The night is coming when no one can work. There's this Doritos commercial where this kid builds a time machine. And the kid is young and then you turn around and the kids. Watch the screen, see if you remember this. Smith, want to try out my time machine? It runs on Doritos. Sure. So now what? Gotta put the whole bag in. Okay. Yes. It's really working, Jimmy! This is the greatest moment of my life! Get out of my yard! Jimmy? You're so old. It's the future! <laughs> Even if you don't have a time machine, life comes at you fast. When, you, when you're young, it doesn't seem like it, but you get a little older. Someone once said, you know you're getting older when the throw pillows on your bed are hot water bottles. <laughs> I think I'm already there. Whether you're young or whether you're old, life comes at you fast. And that's why Jesus' words here, they wake us up. He says, it's daytime now. We must do the work that we need to do because nighttime is coming when no one can work. It's Jesus' way of saying, make the most of the time that you have to make your mark for God in this world. The greatest example. Yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. God's given us a moment in time. The greatest example of this is Jesus himself. 
because nighttime is on the way. When Jesus heals the man in John chapter 9, nighttime is right around the corner. Enemies are going to arrest him, hand him over to the authorities. The authorities are going to put him on the cross. Nighttime is coming. Jesus only lived 33 years on this earth. Let me ask you a question. How many are over 33? Let me see your hands. How many are under 33? Let me see your hands. Wow. How many wish you were under 33? Let me see. I, uh, boy. 33. 33. Talk about life coming at you fast. Jesus only walked this earth for 33 years. And yet he made the most of his time. And so at the end of his 33 years, this is what he was able to say. Heavenly Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What an awesome thing to be able to say at the end of your life, at the end of my life, Father, I've made the most of my time and I finished the work that you gave me to do. So here's a question. I want everybody to lock in with me on this one. Are you stuck in your chair this weekend? Every once in a while, I get stuck in my chair. I read that when they were first developing fighter jets and moving the technology from prop planes to fighter planes, that what they had to do, they ran into a problem when it came to the ejection seat for the planes because the jets were moving so much faster that when the pilots were ejected, they held onto their seats tightly. And so there was no room for the parachute to open behind them. So they developed a fix in that technology. And what would happen is the pilot would hit the button, the ejection seat would go, but then the ejection seat would launch the pilot out of the chair so that the parachute would open safely. And every once in a while, I need that kind of help. Maybe God brought you here this weekend to help launch you out of that chair. Because there are things you've been meaning to do, intending to do. There are things that God has put in your heart to do. But for whatever reason, like me, sometimes we get stuck in that chair. And God brought you here this weekend to remind you, it's daytime. Now's the time to seize the day. Because nighttime's coming when no one can work. If you've been intending to, to spend more time with the kids or learning how to play the piano, let the words of Jesus launch you out of the chair. If you've been intending to, to patch things up with your parents, or write that old friend a note. Let the words of Jesus launch you out of that chair. If you've been intending to get involved in volunteering in a ministry, or you, if you've been intending to turn your life over to Jesus, let today be the day, and let the words of Jesus launch you out of that chair. Amen. Let today be the day. And if you've been stalling on following your dream, life's too short to live somebody else's dream. Follow the dream that God has put in your life. Let the words of Jesus launch you into your dream today. You know, this last week in Daydreaming with Pastor Kim, we had a, a great time. Pastor Bev and I, uh, we had a, a battle of the sexes pastoral style, and it was a lot of fun. One of the highlights for me was the young lady who led worship for daydreaming. She leads worship in our youth group, and she grew up in the church. It seems like just yesterday she's this big, and now she's an adult, and she's leading worship. And she talked to me a little bit about her own personal journey, how God had put a dream in her heart to become a worship leader. But when she started to search things out and was deciding on what to pursue in college, 
She wrestled with the decision. She really did. Should I do something practical or should I follow my passion? There was this battle. But eventually, see, life is too short to follow someone else's dream. And so she had the courage to take a step of faith, follow her passion, and now she's studying to become a worship leader to bring glory and honor to God in the future, and she is going to be awesome. Let's give Lily a big cheer. Amen. Yeah, Lily. Way to go. Yeah. Well, let the words of Jesus launch you out of your chair, seize the day, make the most of the day that you have. God, open our eyes and help us to see that it's daytime right now. I once was blind, but now I what? See. Now that brings us to the last takeaway in John chapter nine, that believing leads to seeing, seeing on the inside and the outside. I found this clip on the internet and it's of a a, a baby they put glasses on the baby and the baby with these glasses is able to really see her mom for the first time and so man it just melted my heart I, I wanted to show it to you Isn't that awesome? I, I just thought that was so moving. I, I heard some of you go, oh, I think it's, you know, why don't all of us do that together? Ready? One, two, three. Oh. I mean, that's moving. To not be able to see, and then now you can see. Keep that picture in your heart as we walk through the rest of the story. So here is this blind man. What does Jesus do? It says that he spits on the ground. He made some mud with the spit. Then he put the mud on the man's eyes. What? When I was reading this to my kids when they were little, they're big now, but when I was reading this to them when they were little, kids are honest. They shoot straight with you. And when I read this part about the spit and the mud They didn't say how spiritual. They said, yuck. (laughs) Because it does sound strange. What is the spit and the mud all about? Well, maybe Jesus is speaking to the culture. In that day, they believed that spit had certain healing properties to it. Their medical journals had entire chapters that were devoted to the use of spit. This is how you should use it. This is when you should use it. So when Jesus steps up and he uses spit, maybe it's his way of saying to them and to us, the doctors in the house, get ready for healing because the doctors in the house, all God's people said. Or maybe it had something to do with Jesus as creator. You remember the story of creation, how God reaches down and takes some dust, and out of the dust, he creates life. He creates us in his spitting image, (laughs) and here he is at it again. He's bringing life out of dust, bringing life to the man's eyes out of the dust, Maybe it was Jesus' way of saying to them and to us, the creator is on the scene. He's at it again, renewing his creation, restoring his creation. Get ready for a miracle because the creator is in the house. Let's give God praise. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
And then there's this moment. Look at this moment. Go, Jesus says, wash in the pool. Jesus is the living water. Go wash in the pool. So the man went and washed and came home what? He came home what? Seeing. Don't miss the power of this miracle. Here's a man who had never, ever seen. Now, I'm going to wade in a little out of my depth, but from a medical perspective, this miracle. I want to show you a picture of my, my little grandson here, Mr. Chase. Well, he's ready for the summer. I was reading that when a baby is born, that a baby is legally blind. That it can't see beyond 12 inches. And so that's why when we make all those goofy faces, that it doesn't scare him because he can't see you anyway, right? In fact, if you put a patch over that baby's eye and you kept it there for several years and you took it away, that baby would always be blind because in the first 18 months, there are connections that are being made from the brain to the optical nerve and the process is called synaptogenesis. And without that, there is no sight. So look at what happens. Here comes Jesus, the author of Genesis. And he performs synaptogenesis on this man. Physical connections form. And now he can see. And Jesus doesn't stop there. Because physical blindness is bad, but friends, spiritual blindness is worse. And he goes back to the man, and Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so I can believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus does a spiritual synaptogenesis and the disconnect that the man had from God through Jesus, that connection is made. He is healed spiritually and he's healed physically. I once was blind, but now I see. And that is what you call extraordinary. Hallelujah. Wow. Now, as the team gets ready for this final drama that you're going to see, if I seem a little bit amped up today, a couple of days ago, I was at a benefit concert for my friend who has been battling cancer. It was down at Saddleback Church. He served with Pastor Rick Warren for many, many years. And I went down to the concert and I shared with you a few weeks ago how out of nowhere, my friend finds out that he's got cancer, a very aggressive brain tumor. And when he first went to the doctor, they said that brain tumor is inoperable. But then he found another doctor and they said, we can operate, but it'll be a miracle if we can get 70%. If we can do that, that would be extraordinary. And I just saw my friend. And let me share with you that they did the operation and they didn't get 70%. They didn't get 80%. They didn't get 90%. By the grace of God, they got 100% of that tumor. Hallelujah. It was extraordinary. The doctor's in the house. The creator's still at work. Hallelujah. Jesus, in the middle of this miracle, he says, I am the light of the world. And then he opens the man's eyes to show that he's telling the truth. He is the light of the world. And he can restore your sight in the best kind of way. Put your faith and trust in him. 
as our worship arts team reimagines, we like to imagine here at Cathedral, as they reimagine the story of the blind man, I encourage you to open your heart to Jesus and let him open your eyes this weekend. I try and come here every day so I can remember I sat here for 23 years ever since I was 12 years old this was the best place in all Jerusalem to sit if you was a beggar like I was right over there beyond the beautiful gate is the temple treasury and on a really good day you can make quite a bit of money from people going in to give their offerings mama always said Horace you should be nice to everybody because it don't cost nothing to be nice well you have a lot of time to think if you're a beggar like I was especially if you was born blind to boot sometimes I'd wonder why I was born blind sometimes when I was wondering out loud people would say it's because your mama and your daddy did something evil in the eyes of God one day when I was a little boy, I spilled my goat's milk all over the floor and my daddy got real mad at me. He said I did something evil before I was born, but I don't remember that. My mama always said, Horace, life is like a box of chocolates. You never quite know what you're gonna get. And me, I got to be born blind. I wasn't looking to blame anybody. I just wondered why. I was used to the darkness, but when people would go by, they would say, unclean, unclean, and they spit on me. I wasn't allowed to go in with all the more worshiping people, but one day when they was worshiping over there and I was singing along, all of a sudden the music stopped. And I stopped to listen, because my mama always said, Horace, you got two ears and one mouth, you should listen twice as much. And that's about the time that man stopped in front of me and said, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents? Well, I knew he was talking about me. I was going to hold out my hand and ask for some money, but I decided I'd listen and see what that old master man had to say. And that's when I knew that somebody very, very smart was standing in front of me because he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. It happened that God would be glorified. Well, that was my first surprise. And then he spit, and it did not land on me. And that was my second surprise. And then he took that dirt and spit and mixed it together, made some mud and put it on my eyes. I was thinking, why is he doing this? But he said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Well, the people helped me down to the water's edge. And when I got down to the water, I started putting it on my eyes. This was sort of crazy to me, but as I put it on my eyes, all of a sudden my eyes, my eyes, the light, the light, my eyes. I can see, I can see. And somebody said, run, Horace, run. And I just felt like running. I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see. Oh, you're so beautiful. I can see. And then there was this man, he said to me, Horace, how is it you can see? You was born blind. I said, I once was blind, but now I can see. That man touched my eyes and I can see. And he asked me, well, what was that man's name that touched your eyes? The man who touched my eyes, the eye opener that helped me to be able to see, his name is Jesus! 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 Oh, oh. 
everyone I could find. His name is Jesus. You know, at first, I thought he was just a really smart man. But then I thought he must be a prophet. But then I could see, I could really see he was the son of God. Well, the religious people didn't like me saying that very much. They said I was stupid. I told them, stupid is as stupid does. Well, them all religious people, they told me I could never go in the temple. They excommunicated me again. They was blind. They was blind. They did not know that I had already been into the temple to worship. I had been into the Holy of Holies. And I had gotten there through the most beautiful gate. His name was Jesus. My mama used to always say, miracles happen every day. Some people don't think so, but they do. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He healed me. He's the eye opener. He opened my eyes. I had an encounter with the extraordinary. And so can you. And that's all I have to say about that. Jesus, hallelujah. Bow your heads with me for just a moment, wherever you're at on campus. I want to ask you a question. If you'd say, Pastor Ken, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Today is my day of salvation. I recognize it's daytime now. I don't want to put it off any longer. And today, I'm receiving Jesus as my Savior and putting Jesus in charge of my life. If that's the decision you're making today, I want to agree with you that today is your day. So if you're making that decision, would you lift up your hand real high, wherever you're at? I want to agree with you, today is your day. Right over here, God bless you. This side of the building, right over here, God bless you. Say, Pastor Ken, that's me, today's your day. All over the building, today is your day, today's your day, today's your day. Up in the balcony, you'd say, Pastor Ken, that's me. Today is your day, my friend. Today is your day. Jesus, thank you for those who are surrendering their lives to you today. Those who are beginning their journey with you. And I want to invite all of us just to focus our hearts as Jessica sings about God's amazing grace. We once were blind. But Jesus helps us to see. Amazing grace, how sweet a sound. I say.
Let's give God praise. Jesus is the eye opener. Let's give him praise. He's the light of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. And all the time, I once was blind, but now I, because Jesus is the eye opener. Amen.